0: What if there's a gentle, effective way to improve the appearance of blemish-prone skin? GladSkin is here to help. Right now, GladSkin is offering our listeners 15% off, plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com AMR. Catch some quality Zs. Zequal Pure Zs Restorative Herbal Sleep is a melatonin-free sleep supplement made with a botanical blend that contains clinically studied and effective valerian root, hops, and passionflower shown to help promote better restorative sleep. Learn more at zequal.com. GoodRx is a free and easy-to-use service that allows you to instantly compare prices for your prescriptions and find discounts on your medications. For simple, smart savings on your prescriptions, go to goodrx.com slash AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Well, I feel very awkward. I feel um, not my usual self. My microphone's not working. And so uh, recording this a little differently, so I apologize in advance if the sound isn't as top notch as Alex usually makes it. So I hear word on the street is, is that you went to Yosemite to do a half marathon and you brought home a booby prize of a souvenir.
1: Indeed. Everything was going along so well, including the race. I was just had a great time. I I joined uh, a whole group of my friends from Maryland came and we all joined Aww. up to run this half marathon. My boyfriend came along, my son came along Aww. and, um, then about two days after the race, I started feeling a little, uh, run down, a little congested and, uh, I had COVID I'm, I'm, oh. I'm recovering now. And, uh, and it, in the end, it ended up about four or five of us, uh, got it from oh. our group. So, um, and we are honestly, and this was a group where like none of us had had it all the, all this time. No one in my family had had it all this time and boom, here we are. So. Oh. Yeah. Uh,
0: so how long were you down? What were your symptoms that time? Yeah, so,
1: I mean, I have to say, I feel pretty fortunate. Um, well, on a couple of levels, I mean, I, you know, the first symptom was extreme fatigue. Um, mm. You know, it just hit me, but of course I had, I had, you know, hiked like 12, 12 miles on a Friday, ran a half marathon on a Saturday, hiked another, you know, 12 miles on Sunday. So when I started feeling fatigued Sunday night, I'm kind of like, well, that that kind of lines up, um, you know, but uh, and, yeah. So then Monday morning though, I started, you know, just having a little bit of cough, a little bit of head cold and, um, so I got home on that Monday, tested at home. It was negative. But then the next morning I felt so awful. I just went and got the PCR. So, hmm. um, but I will say I am um, very fortunate in that um, one of my article sources um, over the last couple of years is a real expert in long COVID and oh. he um, pushed me to go get Paxlovid, the yes. medication. Yeah. And she told me about, you know, how to find the holes in the system to get it basically, uh, cause there's a lot of misinformation out there in terms of who can have it. And doctors don't even, you know, a lot of doctors right. don't have all the the details yet. So I got on Paxlovid, I think by Thursday. So within about three to four days of symptoms and, um, I'm feeling pretty good now. I mean, I, I still have some lingering congestion, a little bit of lingering fatigue, but I did run about three and a half miles today. So, mm. um, and I'm just, I'm carefully monitoring my heart rate because um, I know, you know, and, and, I, and I've listened to the uh, the AMR podcast on that, you know, one mm-hmm. of the hallmarks of returning to running is that your your heart rate stays high for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I seem to be doing okay with all of that. So I, all in all, I feel very fortunate. Um, I'm sad to say I did pass it along to my child and, mm. um, you know, they they made it all the way through the school year without contracting it. <laughs> And then Thanks, mom, mom comes home and passes it on. So I feel pretty Sucky about that.
0: <laughs> Audrey, Audrey must've been like, mom, I would have rathered a junkie t-shirt. Okay, e- next time. Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> yep,
0: so. Oh, so now this was um, a week and a half ago that you got diagnosed or this was two and a half weeks ago?
1: Yeah, so I am, um, I'm about a week out of positive test right now. So about 10 days post symptoms. So tomorrow, Tomorrow, so I did. You know, tomorrow or the first five days were the you know quote unquote quote, isolation days, mm-hmm. um, and then the the second five is um, is uh, you know staying masked up when you're going mm-hmm. out and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that that's where mm-hmm. I'm. So so tomorrow is my my official unmasking. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here in Oregon, we are um, case counts are going up, so it's been recommended that people start wearing. Resume wearing masks, and a lot of people had never stopped here in Oregon. I mean, two administrators and my son and I in the room, and we were all wearing masks, and the majority, vast majority of the people I saw in the hallways of the school were wearing masks.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I think that holds true here. And I, from from our you know little bit of research and um, one of my friends receiving exposure notifications, Mm. all of my friends and we were all masked up on the plane, but no one else is. And um, we think probably it was the airport or the plane. I I, I don't know. I can't, I, who knows. It's, it's tough to know exactly where it came from, but uh, the other data point, we're all over 50. And those of us in my group who contracted COVID had not quite gotten to the point where we got our fourth shot yet. Those, oh. those who did have the fourth shot are okay. Oh, wow. So I think oh. that's an interesting data point. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. I've been, um, I have not gotten my second booster. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Huh. Same. Huh. Same. I had my mind scheduled, but I hadn't gotten there yet. So oh gosh. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, water under the bridge. Um, yep. so, but tell us a little bit about the Yosemite half. I bet it was just
1: spectacular. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was, um, yeah, they, it was a point to point and it started mm. super early in the morning. So they bust you up Um, to the start. And um, you just basically lose elevation all the way down. And Mm -hmm. um, so (coughs) um, the first five miles were on fire roads. And then um, after that, it's another, um, I don't know, like eight miles downhill. And Mm -hmm. no, that's not adding the math adding up. That would be the whole race. No, (laughs) then down to mile 10, it's downhill, extreme downhill. Um, And then the last three miles are are around this lake. And um, that's where you finish. And it was it was such a fun race. And my, my one friend and I, um, who we've run a lot of races together over the years, we ran shoulder to shoulder the entire race and just chatted and, had fun. There was a bear on the course at some point. I, I wow. didn't see it, but that was fun. Um, yeah. So uh-huh. I recommend it. I recommend it. Yeah. And this was in the Valley
0: itself. I mean, you weren't running. No,
1: no, no. So this is that organization. They're called vacation races. And I think yes. mm-hmm. they do these all over the country, but none of them are in the actual parks. So we oh. were, um, yeah, we were a good, at least an hour outside of the park. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's it's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Yeah.
1: As are I think all of their races.
0: But yeah. you, but you did get to, you did go hiking in the park itself. Yes,
1: absolutely. Both both like I said Friday and then the day after we spent big days in the park. So yeah. oh, my it's first time just, there.
0: First time there. Yeah, it's a, I haven't been since um, 1989. So that was a number a few couple years back. Um, But I mean, isn't it? It's just it's almost too much to take in. It just, your mind can hardly, my mind could hardly process it. I
1: agree. It is just stunning. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add in that, 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 uh, my boyfriend, Chris is a climber and has done El Cap, done, oh. done all of those. So wow. to go with him and like, like see the routes he took up and all that, like that was really cool. So. Oh, yeah. wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I have to say I was reminded recently of Yosemite in addition to you telling me that an email, but, um, my family and I stopped at Smith Rock, which is in mm. Central Oregon, which is about yeah. um, 15 minutes from where our Redmond retreat is going to be next June in 2023. And it was, I mean, theres it's where sport climbing supposedly started, but it has, you know, so it's not nearly as hugely dramatic as Yosemite, but it still has that towering, soaring rock features yeah. and just the magnitude of all that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. sure, you go to New York and see huge skyscrapers, yeah. but things that, that Mother Nature put there and that that
1: water eroded and wind and
0: it's yeah. just That's that I, I really like a good staggering landscape.
1: Agree. Uh, agree. And I think Yosemite delivers that in, in spades. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I was there during a full moon. Mm. And oh, so beautiful, so beautiful. It's actually right before the Loma Prieta earthquake in San Francisco. So oh, wow. in my mind, the two things are tied together. So right, right. A dramatic time in my life. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Wow. 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 Yeah. 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 So uh, I had a fun little thing to share. That um, okay. So there you are. You know, running this half marathon with your sporty boyfriend, who's climbed L Cap. But. Um, <laughs> Um, my husband, Jack is, um, not Mr. Athletic, although he will tell you he played baseball in high school. All right. (laughs) Um. (laughs) And, uh, so anyway, so my back was really and pips and groin. The whole bit was really bothering me on Sunday. And, um, so I was planning to go swimming like I do on Sundays and, and he said, oh, let's go down to the Irish gardens. To about an hour south of portland and i was like oh well, i'm planning on going swimming in the pool not open until 11 and he's like oh well that's about halfway there let's just you know i'll drive down with you i'll go run some errands and then we'll go down to the gardens and and you know he said that'll make you feel better and i was like oh that's you know thoughtful he knows how much i like flowers so i said let me think about it and then he went off and did some work or whatever and um so I texted him. I said, well, why don't you come swimming? Because um, careful listeners listeners might remember he was really into aqua aerobics there for a while <laughs> and he has swum. Um, and so anyway, so he said, yeah. So we went in. <laughs> so I had the guy at the desk. I said, oh, and I have my guest, a guest with me. Um, it's my husband. And the guy said, oh, is he going to be swimming? And I thought, I don't bring him along just to watch. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. he just cheers me on. Right, right.
1: Uh,
0: so, so anyway, so we definitely did our own thing. You know, I was I was in the pool swimming before he got in, and so he was swimming and did some um, a little bit of aqua jogging in the deep end. And um, but so I mean, so I applaud him for doing that. Yes. but i will i will say that i would be surprised if he did more than 800 yards and on the drive back from the uh, gardens. He was like, "Wow, I really feel it." <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> like awesome. But then, I mean, then the so so that was you know it's always nice even when you're he was at I don't know six lanes away from me and it's not like you chat while you swim but it's always nice yeah. to kind of know that you know somebody in the pool. Yes. And uh, but anyway, so then we go down to this garden which is usually spectacular and we usually go Mother's Day weekend and it's all these irises and peonies and columbine and all these flowers. Well, since we've been having such a cold spring. There were a lot of Columbines, but that was it. Like, like five irises, no peonies. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. And so, and my, my hip was really bothering me. So I was just like limping like a Aww. soldier returned from war. And I'm just like, okay, we just <laughs> spent how much in gas to get here? Right. Uh- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But you know, it was, um, I mean, I, I, Jack and I, we really, I mean, except for a couple walks, we really do not do anything that comes close to exercise together. So,
1: yeah. Uh, so you got that part out of it. That, that was the silver lining of the whole event.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, well, all right. Well, it turns out that May is bone health month. Who knew now you do. Um, and a mother runner suggested an episode about bone health for runners, osteoporosis, stress fractures, and the like. And I was like, okay, sure, it's not a sexy topic, but it's real life. And these type of issues affect us all. So figured let's jump into it. Our guest is Karen Myrick, DNP, who is a clinical associate professor of medical sciences at Quinnipiac University in my home state of Connecticut. And in 2021, she was awarded a research grant from the National Association of Osteoporosis Osto, sorry, orthopedic nurses, so she knows a thing or two about bones. Amanda and I will welcome professor, nurse, Karen, after this break, stick around. And boy, break, I didn't mean that as, a, that was not a bone joke. Okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quality sleep. It's like speed or consistency. It's something we hardworking women runners strive for, yet it often eludes us. That's why I'm so pleased I found Zequel Pure Z's Restorative Herbal Sleep, and why you need to try it yourself. Equal Pure Z's Restorative Herbal Sleep, yes, it's a mouthful of a product name, is a melatonin-free sleep supplement made with a botanical blend that contains clinically studied and effective valerian root, hops, and passionflower shown to help promote better restorative sleep. Did you catch that? Restorative sleep. For me, this means a deeper sleep that easily comes to me about an hour or so after I take two of the Smooth Blue tablets. Since I started taking Pure Z's, there have been numerous nights when I've woken up to pee and felt so refreshed, I was sure it was moments before my alarm was set to go off. Nope. Each time, I still had more than half the night to sleep. Woohoo! You'll want to use Zequal Pure Z's Restorative Herbal Sleep for seven nights for best results, as some people need to take the product longer to achieve optimal sleep benefits. I started noticing welcome bedtime effects in less than a week. Get z Pure Z's Restorative Herbal Sleep at stores like Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Walmart, and Target, as well as in the swag packages of all our Train Like a Mother Club programs. And find out more at z That's Z-Z-Z-Q-U-I-L.com. Oh, and because of the nature of this product, here's the disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From bones to skin, visible to the world and forward facing, especially in this era of Instagram posts and video meetings. So, when I'm on Zoom calls, I sometimes lose track of conversation because I'm so fixated on the red blotches on my nose and cheeks. Shallow and idiotic, I know. So, when I learned about Gladskin, I couldn't take their short skin quiz and place an order fast enough. My Gladskin Redness Relief Cream with my Creo Balance is set to arrive this weekend, and I can't wait for it to dramatically reduce the appearance of redness and dry skin while moisturizing and soothing. GladSkin is a new category of skin blemish treatment that works differently than any plant-based or drug-based product you've tried before, because GladSkin is based on the nature of healthy skin. Inflammatory blemishes in acne-prone skin are caused by an imbalance in the skin microbiome. So GladSkin developed a revolutionary protein called microbalance to restore the natural balance of the good and bad bacteria that live on the skin. I really appreciate the fact that GladSkin's products have been helping people in Europe for years and are now available in the U.S. Plus, there's a 60-day guarantee. If GladSkin Redness Relief Cream with my Creo Balance works as well as I expect, my next GladSkin order is going to include Blemish Gel for my 16-year-old twins. It works without harsh ingredients, so it's gentle from day one. Right now, Gladskin is offering our listeners 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com/amr. That's g l a d s k i n.com/amr for 15% off plus free shipping. gladskin.com/amr. Okay, I kid you not. My husband just called me from the pharmacy to brag about how much money GoodRx saved us on a prescription he got filled. Hello, prep for routine colonoscopy. More than $100. Well done, sir. Well done. With GoodRx, the number one most downloaded medical app, you can instantly compare prices for your prescriptions, refills, and new ones at all the pharmacies in your neighborhood and save up to 80%. Find savings at more than 70,000 pharmacies nationwide like Walgreens, Rite Aid, CVS, and more. GoodRx is free and easy to use. With all my bulging disc pain meds, I've lately used the app numerous times in a doctor's exam room so I can tell the nurse which nearby pharmacy to send my latest prescription to. It works whether you do or don't have insurance. But even if you do have insurance, GoodRx may actually beat your copay price. My family has easily saved more than 500 bucks on prescriptions in the past few months thanks to GoodRx, which I learned about thanks to these ads. So for simple, smart savings on your prescriptions, check out GoodRx. Go to GoodRx.com AMR. That's GoodRx.com AMR. GoodRx.com AMR. GoodRx is not insurance, but can be used in place of insurance, Medicare and Medicaid. In 2021, GoodRx users saved 81% on retail prescription prices.
1: Welcome, Karen, to the show. Um, Tell us a little bit about your athletic background and what you do these days for fitness.
2: Sure. And thank you so, so very much for having me. Um, You know, I, I like to stay as active as possible, and I really like that to involve a lot of different things. Running is most definitely one of my absolute favorite things to do. And in my mind, one of the easiest, because you just grab your sneakers, right? And just get going. Yeah. Um, so, you know, doing marathons is not something that's in my purview, but half marathons are a hundred percent something that is always my goal. So I am currently training for uh, a half marathon coming up in October and also a relay race that will involve probably about 14 miles altogether, um, I, I also do martial arts, which you know seems sometimes a little funny to people. Um, but you know, um, it's cool because I am the only mother uh, in my you know school that has a black belt in kung fu karate, and oh. I am... <laughs> cool, right? And the only female that has a black belt in aikido. Um, so Jitsu aikido, standing aikido, where you you know throw people around, um, and I like doing that as well. So I try to lift weights, do some triathlons and, and that's pretty much the basis of my activity now. Wow. Wow.
1: That's really cool and impressive. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So um, then tell us a little bit about your background in nursing and um, if you can kind of in layperson terms, describe the type of orthopedic research you do.
2: Oh, sure, I would love to. Um, you know, so I have a long history, and some of my history to me is a little bit funny. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully people find a little um, humor in the way that I've gone back and forth in my, uh, you know, opportunities. And so, what I have done is I have gone from going uh, from a labor and delivery nurse, which was back in, uh, let's see, well, we won't say when, but it's 10 years. I did 10 years of nursing as an RN, and that was all in labor and delivery. After that, I decided, especially during the night shift, when it got a little quiet, I thought, you know, I was doing a lot of cross-stitching. I thought, I've got to do something with my brain, Uh, and so I was very young, so I decided then to go back to school, and I went back to school to become an APRN, or an Advanced Practice Registered Nurse, From there, I ended up working. Now get this, from labor and delivery, I went to the emergency room. In the emergency room, about the last thing anybody wanted to see was a pregnant woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everybody, you know, get them off my stretcher as fast as possible, get them down to the delivery room. So, you know, there was some humor there. Then from there in the emergency room, what I, I really realized is that I didn't necessarily like the true emergencies, they scared me a little. Um, I really despised people dying. I, I just... Didn't handle it well. It was difficult, and so I ended up loving, absolutely loving anything orthopedic. I would fight off the residents to put anything back that was dislocated. Um, <laughs> I just really found that that was kind of my niche. And then finally, um, you know, for the last probably uh, let's see about thirteen years, I've been doing orthopedics and sports medicine. I did get a doctorate in nurse practitioner, so a DNP, a Doctor of Nursing Practice, and that uh, my doctoral dissertation was on fragility fractures. So, hmm. yeah.
0: Hmm. All right. <laughs> I know. Wow. From, from <laughs> lo- birth to death to uh, bones. So, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So, that martial arts, I assume that that involves a lot of pounding, running certainly does. Um, so, other than all that fitness that you partake in, what else do you do, Karen, to promote your own bone health?
2: Well, you know, I'm a very big proponent of research and not just, you know, doing research, but I like to, to read uh, a lot about things that might be beneficial and especially who doesn't like to read about things that might be beneficial to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I also like to listen to podcasts and to watch different, you know, um, all kinds of different shows that talk about bone health. And um, One of the things that I do, in addition to weight bearing exercise, of course, keep Keeping a good diet, so you know, not just high in calcium uh, from from diet from dairy products, rather, but just also from you know your green leafy vegetables, etc. Um, so I also do that. But the other thing I really like is a vibration plate.
1: Um,
2: mm. Yeah, and they're kind of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's lots of different types and kinds out there, but they have been shown to demonstrate an increase in bone density and uh, to assist with that. So. And you're just kind of standing there. So it is one thing that I do on top of everything else that I, I believe in.
0: So, wait, so this vibration plate, I mean, so you stand there like while you brush your teeth, or do you have like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm gonna stand on this for 10 minutes before I go on my run? How do you work that in? And like, how much does it cost? Is that something you have at home?
2: So, you know, most definitely there's a million different brands out there and I have to be honest, things that when I research things, I try to look for three, right? Get three different answers, three different prices, three different types, and then, I'm not big on certain reviews of, you know, certain companies. I just like to just kind of see what's out there um, because sometimes they can be a little biased. So I went out and I kind of asked some people in the community, what they use, you know, in my own, you know, private personal community, whatever you want to call it, my contacts. And, um, I did find one that was about $125. uh, So not too bad. Nope. Has nine different settings. And, um, I I don't do it brushing my teeth. I'm a little worried about that, (laughs) um, <laughs> but we know what? I do it when I'm bored. I do it when I'm checking email. I do it before or after a workout. It gets a little tricky when you're checking email. It gets too, too vibratory. Um, but whenever I have a few moments, you know, I just kind of hop on and put on a different setting and then just, it's usually about a 15 minute period. So it's, it's not long. Yeah. Huh.
1: And that's yeah. what the research shows is, is enough um, to yes. make a difference.
2: So, so, yep. So good question. Uh, the research does demonstrate that it takes at least three times a week, 15 minutes. Um, and then there's certain settings and vibration, you know, rates, and they're usually a little faster. Uh, there's some lower vibration rates that some people really believe in has been shown in the literature to help with lymphatic flow. So getting kind of toxins out of the body, um, Hmm. get you ready for your next workout. Hmm. So interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely dating myself here, but I'm hoping someone else might
1: know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Does anyone remember, my? I, I remember my mom having one of these. It was those devices, they would stand on them. There was like a belt that went around. Oh, and of it course. Out- oh, totally. <laughs> so
0: that's what I'm envisioning.
1: Yeah, That's what I'm envisioning. I don't even know what those were sure. called, but anyhow.
0: The fat reducers, and I feel Karen right. should be like watching Jack Lalanne while she's right. On
1: this right. Thing. right, that's awesome. We just lost half. I know exactly audience. what you mean. <laughs> oh gosh. So, <laughs> okay. So on that topic, um, Karen, tell us about some of the mis- misconceptions that women, especially women runners, might have about their own bone health. You know, the idea that. Hey, because we run, our bones are are hearty and healthy, and and we're good to go.
2: So there's so many things there, you know, um, because we all like to use Doctor Google, right? So there's so many things that we can, or or we talk, and we can get these misconceptions that we really get into our own heads, either for better or for worse. So, you know, perhaps you think, you know, your bone density is going to be perfect and you can hardly wait to get the results because you want to show them off. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, it may or may not have the numbers that are there. So I think in particular, most people, you know, not just runners, um, but, but a lot of people feel like running is bad for your knees, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not. And, and plenty of research has demonstrated that, that in fact, we kind of need that, you know, we go back to caveman days, right? This, this is evolution, <laughs> but we go back and we say, it takes a bit of pounding to kind of make those bones say, I need to grow. For an example is if we have a patient that unfortunately is wheelchair bound and they fractures a tib- they fracture a tibia, they may, you know, not heal because there is no stress saying to that bone, you need to get back together. The forces just aren't there. So it's it's a big misconception that, you know, running is bad for you. Um, to, to the opposite is running is good for you, right? So so to take it to that extreme is there is a happy medium. Too much running does not give us or allow us enough time for remodeling to take place. Yeah. And if we, I, I am a firm believer that running every day is not a good idea. Uh-huh. I think running three to five times a week is the best idea because of that regenerative nature of bones. So I think those are just some of those things. We think we're just completely safe from osteoporosis if we run <laughs> and we also think, you know, we're safe from any other, you know, issues if we run, but that's not necessarily the case. Those are some of the big ones.
0: Mm. Mm. Wow, that is, that is intriguing to think about. I think back on the days when I ran every day and thought I was doing myself such a favor. Mm. Um Maybe my head a favor, maybe not the rest of my body. Uh, (laughs) um, So, um, so how big of a concern is osteoporosis for women? Like what are the odds we'll develop it?
2: Yeah. Um, So, you know, unfortunately there's a pretty high risk, especially once we're menopausal uh, Mm -hmm. because what happens is, you know, estrogen, estrogen favors bone turnover. Um, And and I'll give you a few different pearls here. So there's some some good news and bad news, right? So the good news is um, so, so the bad news first was that estrogen does take or decrease that bone turnover rate so that what we're using up, unfortunately gets continued use mm-hmm. and then more using up and so we have less of it and so we need to kind of rebuild and be very cautious about the diet and the amount of calcium intake that we're getting etc so it's very very important um, and the chance that the risk is very high of getting osteoporosis there's tons of things that favor into that equation and you'd need like a big statistical analysis with a logistic regression you know well, did you ever take a steroid etc um, so there's a lot of things that go in to that play. However, the the good news is that there is something that happens in running and during osteoporosis. So think about what happens when we get to menopause is we do stop menstruating right um hopefully because we're supposed to and so when we do stop menstruating there is a chemical uh in the system uh what happens when we stop menstruating is we start to gain iron and we just hold on to that because we don't bleed and so there is no release of that and there's this fancy you know hepsidin thing um that will actually kind of decrease the level and allow some of the iron to be let out when we run hmm. that high level of iron increases the risk of osteoporosis. So by running and hmm. decreasing that level of that hepcidin getting rid of some of the iron actually decreases our risk for osteoporosis.
0: Wow. And, and when you say that, that running lets you release that iron, are you telling me that there's like little bits of iron in my sweat? Like, you know, how, is
2: yeah. how is that happening? <laughs> and, that, and also, just that there's that, you know, hepcidin level. And so, when you run, hepcidin is something that holds on to the um, iron in our system. It tells our body, you know, don't release the iron, you know, hold mm-hmm. on to it. So, we lose <laughs> iron in our feces, in our sweat. Oh, okay. We lose it. Yeah. We lose it in many, many different ways in our gut. Quite frequently, a lot, um, mm-hmm. not like as in a GI bleed, but that's a normal part of releasing iron and from the spleen. And mm-hmm. when we run to a certain level, you know, just, you know, that kind of uh, post exercise, especially high intensity and especially high intensity interval, will decrease that level of hepcidin and will really tell us not to hold on to the iron, which is beneficial to decrease risk of osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. Wow. I like I guess just, this sounds so idiotic to say, but so much goes
0: on in our body when we exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes,
0: it does. I'd like to state the obvious here. Um so, um so, so you know, you're talking about um people waiting for their, you know, bone density results to come back as they want to, you know, humble brag about them. Like I definitely feel like that. That I feel like I come from a line of strong boned women. I have massive wrists, I adore dairy products, so I consume a lot of them. So am I kidding myself when I think that I don't have to worry about osteoporosis?
2: Um, you know, I don't want you to say you're kidding yourself. I don't want you to be kidding yourself, but, but at the same time is, you know, what we feel on the outside, like a a nice massive wrist isn't Mm -hmm. always because osteoporosis is just, uh, literally looks like a piece of coral, you -hmm. know, within a shell. And so the shell can be very big, But on the inside of the bone is where we might see a difference. And so you're you're not necessarily kidding yourself. You like the dairy products you run. So those are all highly beneficial. But again, so many things play into it. So, you know, is there a family history? Gosh, that we can't change our family. You know, is um, there a history of being on uh, some type of steroid for a condition or for a longer period of time? Um, You know, are there other factors, you know, like alcohol use, we will take you out of the equation, just in general, you know, as as smoking, which most runners don't smoke, but that's not true of all. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's other risk factors that come into play. So I, I think that probably the best you know, instead of kidding ourselves is just getting the evidence and being able to be tested. But, you know, that leads us into that question of like you stated in that, the beginning of that is waiting to get the bone density. It kind of stinks because right now what they're recommending is age 65. Like oh. yeah, that's the United States task force. That is what we're supposed to do unless there's evidence prior to, for some reason to get a bone density. Um, So, so
0: so that would mean that then probably insurance wouldn't cover it. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm somebody who's self-insured. So everything's out of, everything's out of pocket, but um, (laughs) basically so, so that I would have to be like, okay, I'm going to pony up. I'm going to pay for it because if I wait till 65, you know, can we, are we losing time by waiting until 65?
2: Exactly. I, I believe that. And, and I believe, you know, in my spare time, ha, ha as we all say, right, then <laughs> I'll work on that marathon, but, um, in my spare time, <clears throat> I believe that, you know, we can change policy. And one of the things we should advocate for is getting earlier bone density. There's so much we can do if we did it at 30, 35, right. There's, and I, I believe fully my family, people around me get very, very tired of me saving, saying this, but prevent prevention I love prevention and I hate cure so it's all about prevention so what if we knew somebody had a lower bone density could we fix that before they go on to the fragility fracture and the blood clot and the inability to run and then as you mentioned right the psychiatry that goes along with that because we all need our endorphins so mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it should be done sooner but it is out of pocket for now until 65. Mm-hmm. Just- yeah
1: I am one of those people. Um, I, I was saying um, to Karen before we even started, I'm one of those people who, um, you know, I'm in my fifties and I think right around 50, my, my, um, OBGYN had me take a DEXA scan and my baseline one. And I did walk in all cocky because I was like, I run, I strength train, I have a great diet. And lo and behold, I had some osteopenia in my hips. So, um, it took me by surprise, but, uh, that's, the genetic role in there. So, yeah. um, so on that, um, Karen, what steps for detection should women take and at what age, you know, is there, you know, I'm guessing the screening for osteoporosis is the DEXA scan. I, I tell us about
2: that. So that's true. You know, the screening is a DEXA scan, and that is not covered by insurance now, right? These things change all the time. Colonoscopies used to be 35, then they were 40, then they're 45, mammography, right? So right now, currently, what is recommended is age 65. That may change. And, and, you know, um, being a professor, I'm constantly teaching the students to keep up to date because these things change all the time. Um, But the screening is a DEXA scan. If If you're lucky, you know, you can find a, health fair where they're doing, um, a bone density on the wrist. Uh, and that's, that's really cool because it has very low, um, you know, um, Radiation and you get a very accurate number. Um, But if you look around for health fairs, you know, that's a good idea. Some insurance companies put them on, sometimes workplaces. Um, I'm not sure if you just look it up on the internet if you'd find that, but that's a good idea. The other thing is voicing a concern to your healthcare provider is to say, you know, this is something I'm really worried about. Is there a way that we can kind of, you know, get this through that I can get the bone density scan? prior to age 65, Um, if anybody presents with a fracture that is suspicious, meaning they are age 40 and they fell from a standing height or less, which by definition is a fragility fracture, that's a person that would be sent for a bone density scan so that you don't want to go and do that. But there are ways, you know, that it would be done if you had a fracture that was what we call suspicious.
0: Mm. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. If you can talk a good talk, maybe you can get yourself... Get your insurance yeah. to cover. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, our train like a mother club just launched a program called Talking Perimenopause. So it makes me wonder, uh, makes me want to hear you talk more about something you alluded to already about how menopause, you know, because of the drop in estrogen, how that affects our bones. Could you talk more about, um, you know, the damage that menopause can do to us in terms of our bones? Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in the research with uh, menopausal women. So we're looking a lot at health equity. And so, you know, one of the things that changes significantly, as we're probably pretty well aware of, is after menopause, there's a huge change in women's health overall. Uh, And that does include cardiac health, as well as bone health. And so, you know, one of the things that they're looking at is to try to get, you know, more studies where we have looking at, especially women and in particular women, I'm not going to say older, but women who are menopausal, (laughs) you're welcome without a doubt. Um, But again, you know, one of the things that we look at is bone turnover. We know, um, you know, give you a little very quick pathophysiology lesson is, Osteoblasts, we call them the bone bone cells that are um, building. So B for building osteoblasts. And then osteoclasts with the C is bone chewing cells. As we okay. go through menopause, those bone chewing cells, so the ones eating up the bone, they, and remodeling the bone, they become a little bit more active. So there's some pretty high level research out there about how to make the osteoblasts, the bone building cells, a little bit more active. This mm. is how some of our osteoporotic medications work is mm. they work on those osteoblasts, but we're trying to look for a way that is not, um, you know, a medication that is perhaps a dose of exercise, right? You know, exercise is medicine. So what dose of exercise, you know, is wearing a rucksack, you know, a pack, um, or, you know, <laughs> God forbid, ankle weights will go way back. Just like people are sitting. But well, what's gonna what's gonna help us, you know, to build. leg warmers, leg warmers, leg warmers. Yes, that's I love it. Now, now we're rocking it out, and um, yeah, that sounds great. Um, it sounds good to me. Uh, so, so you know, and then leg lifts. But you know, what is what is that dose? Um, is it more plyometric? So you know, there's a lot of research out there. For now, what we know is that we have a little bit more activity of those bones that are kind of taking the cells away. And then just, you know, again, I already alluded to it, but that, that iron thing, you know, that Mm -hmm. especially as soon as we stop menstruating, there is more iron in the blood. And that definitely, you know, helps to uh, up our risk for osteoporosis. So those are some of the very big changes. Um, And again, cardiac is just, I know it's not bone, but it's just another thing to keep in mind as as we arrive at menopause. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I'm curious about something else. This is kind of um, unrelated to uh, menopause, but I'm curious about the impact of alcohol intake on bone health. Is there any
2: kind of relationship there? So there is, um, and it's one that none of us really like to hear that much because, you know, a glass of wine is a a wonderful thing. Um, And it's very unfair, you know, that the men can have two glasses of wine, but the women can only have one. Um, So as we increase that level of alcohol, we know that there's an association with decreased bone density. Um, And the way that that works is a very complex chemical reaction within the body, the way that the liver, um, you know, um, metabolizes the alcohol that then decreases the bioavailability for other things to create bone. Uh, and so there is a inversely proportional relationship between alcohol intake and bone density. And it really doesn't matter what type of alcohol either because uh, folks ask that question a lot. We all think for whatever reason as runners that it's beer, beer is a good thing after a run. It's got B vitamins <laughs> and it'll hydrate you, but um, Yeah. <laughs> But there is an inverse um, relationship to alcohol intake and to bone density, sadly. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, the news just keeps getting better. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's talk about stress fractures. Um, sure. so I, I, I want to kind of define them and um, talk about how to avoid them. I know, you know, as a running coach over the years, it, it seems to me that generally those women who develop them you know that it, it it really is one of those things that you can like really point your finger at and say that's a training error you know too much too soon yeah. or whatever it might be but talk to us about that
2: i love it um so i'm so glad uh, that as a coach you are are thinking in that direction um oftentimes i feel like many times we could educate coaches a little bit better right they're the first hand they're always with the athlete and they're kind of guiding what Amount, you know, the dose that they're getting. So really when we talk stress fractures, it's it's literally like any other stress in our body. You know, there's only so much you can take um, and then you break. And so that's exactly the same thing with the bone. Bones need time to remodel. You know, we really need to have those rest days. The first thing I ask when I see an athlete with a supposed or a known stress fracture is when's the last time you had a day off? And oftentimes it's, uh, <laughs> and they, they really have to think And it's not yesterday. It's not two days ago. It's not Sunday. They really can't remember when they took a day off because they haven't. So again, I believe in running three to five times a week. I believe that you need two rest periods to fully recover. And I say this, especially as we get a little bit older, um, your, your body needs to remodel and you can hit it again hard, but you just need those rest days built in. The other thing is just increasing your distance and or speed slowly. And trust me, I've been through enough injuries. Um, I've been hit by a car running. I just last summer, I know it's awful. I just last summer came back from a meniscus root tear repair, which was, you know, pretty uh, extensive, but I'm back up to a 5k and I'm building it, but it is so painful to go slow. And so you do need to go 1% a week. It's painful and torture. You're like, do the math. Are you, did you really say 1%? Yeah, that's what I know. I know. I know. And so that's, what's on my calendar. You know, it's like, so you get a 14 week program where you really are increasing by 1% um, a week, that distance and speed. So both things, you don't want to just go out and just do your mile at your fastest pace. So you have to increase both of those slowly. The other humongous thing with stress fractures is diet. So, you know, female athlete triad, we are already part of that triad when we are perimenopausal because we have different hormones, right? So we need to also have the energy intake to be be able to keep up with that stress that we want on the bone. So that female athlete triad is part of stress fractures. If we're not putting enough in, the fracture is going to happen because there's too much stress on the bone to overcome and not enough to kind of rebuild. So it's very important to have an adequate diet, increase slowly and incorporate rest days.
0: Well, yeah. 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 So, okay. So we've talked a lot about, you know, um, kind of the women in perimenopause, menopause, um, again, we avoid the term older. Um, so, but what are our, our pals who are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, what steps can those active health-conscious women do to promote their bone health?
2: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and so I tell her this constantly to the point she's probably tired of it as well, but it's <laughs> just that you're still building bone right? You're building it. So once you are, you know, perimenopausal or menopausal, you start to take it away and, and those, that ratio is different. So the building of bone and that bone health is so important at the younger age, um, especially, you know, you want to do weight bearing exercises and that does include walking and running, but also, you know, we're very afraid oftentimes to pick up weights as females, but that weight building, you know, having that muscle tone tone to support our our poor skeleton. You ever see a skeleton just in the corner, right? It's very (laughs) loose. What we need is the, the connective tissue around that. So, building that connective tissue instead of just pounding on that poor skeleton um, would be nice. And so, it's very helpful. So, for the younger people, I just think, you know, really setting yourself up for a, a successful long term relationship with running is, you know, comes with a, a plan. It comes with not only a plan for running, but for weight training, for cross training. So, you know, there's other things to do to get your heart rate up there. And then the rest days and diet are just really important to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And and on the topic of diet, any suggestions in there for how women can boost their bone health?
2: Yeah. I, you know, look at your calcium input and even just for a week, um, be very honest and write down everything that you eat and calculate the amount of calcium that you're getting. Um, from there, you know, if you're planning to get pregnant, you must know that you need to increase that calcium intake. You know, if you are perimenopausal or menopausal, you need to increase that calcium intake. There is always a happy medium. So we don't want folks to think that more is better. You know, if I take mm-hmm. 10 ibuprofen, it's going to, you know, make my hip pain go away better than those four that I'm supposed to. So you know don't just go taking Tums, look for quality calcium and really natural sources are the best. So getting it in the diet, you know, even if you're having eggs in the morning, throw some green leafy vegetables in there if you're having you know something uh in the afternoon throw a glass of milk in there if you can't drink regular milk there's lots of other types if you're lactose intolerant so almond milk they're all you know fortified with calcium at least um, the, but the green leafy vegetables are another wonderful option especially for those who have difficulty with lactose but truthfully the dietary you know suggestions come from calcium just getting enough and being able to utilize that through the bearing build the bones.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that alternative, quote unquote, milks have calcium as well. It seems um, fewer and fewer people are drinking actual cow milk these days, or at least in in Oregon. Uh, um, So, okay, Karen, so you you have proved that you are indeed the expert on this. And I'm just, I have to say, I'm delighted that we found you. Um, So are there any bone related concerns you think we have overlooked or we haven't touched upon?
2: Um, you know, it's uh, a little bit interesting that we have seen, you know, just through research and there's a lot of studies out there that on a very low level, not that we're all going to run around and get an MRI, but there's, there's certain things, um, two, so two things to talk about. One is bone marrow edema and the other one is shin splints. So mm. just to talk about bone marrow edema is we have found in athletes that don't get a rest period. So we've done this on division one, you know, collegiate athletes and put them in an MRI machine. And, and this is published work. So it's not secretive or anything. And we did nothing bad. It was all IRB approved, but we did find that at the beginning of the season, they didn't have bone marrow edema. And at the end of the season, they did. So bone marrow shouldn't be edematous or swollen. Um, And when it is, that usually goes on. It's a precursor to a stress fracture. So, you know, again, what's the right... Dose So if you're having pain, uh, I think by all means, as far as bone health goes, don't ignore it. Runners were tough, right? I still remember the day I got hit by a car. No, they didn't stop. And yes, I dragged myself (gasps) home and, and I tore my PCL and my husband said to me, good run. And I, and, I, and it, yeah, there was, it was not good. And there was blood. It, it was awful. But um, you know, still, I, I went to work that day, and I didn't really understand the full you know extent of the injury. So runners are tough, and don't be overly tough, right? So if you're having pain, by all means, go get seen. There can be studies done, and you might discover something such as this bone marrow edema, where we know we need to just slow down. The dose is too high, we're doing too much, and we need a little bit more rest to recover. So that's kind of like just a thought on bone marrow edema. There's also this misnomer about shin splints. And it's one of those things in clinical practice. And, and probably also, I don't know if Amanda's seen this as a coach, but, you know, people just are picturing their poor little shins, literally in splinters, like just <laughs> destroyed. It's not, it's actually called medial tibial stress syndrome. And so this can just simply be something such as a footwear you know, somebody who is just over pronating, um, they could even be under pronating. We can have this kind of in either direction, but they develop pain on the inside of their leg near the shin. And mm-hmm. it is more of a musculotendinous junction and the fascia than it really has to do at all with, um, the true bone. So shin splints, terrible name. Uh, we do call it in the medical field, you know, medial tibial stress syndrome. Uh, but just please, I don't want runners to to walk away thinking that's shins in little like splinters, like little toothpicks hanging out down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it's it, not the but, <laughs> but, it, but it does.
0: We do hear from a lot of newbie runners that yeah. they get shin splints. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's going back to you know the the gradual increase of speed and distance? Do you think it's from doing you know the enthusiasm making you do too much too soon? Yeah. Might it be footwear? I mean, what what are your thoughts?
2: Great. I love, I love that question because it could be many things. One is have somebody look at your feet or do it yourself. You know, there's lots of different, you can just look this up online, lots of different running companies do it. But if you just put your feet, get your feet wet, and then walk on a surface that you can see your footprints. Do you see an arch? Do you not see an arch? You know, how, how is that structure of your foot? There's also lots of running stores that will look at your feet. They'll do a videotape. They're there to help you. They do want to sell you their sneakers. You don't always have to purchase them, but it's a service they're providing. So, you know, it's a good thing to do, but at any rate, they will watch you carefully and see. It can be shoe wear. And I find shin splints quite frequently from running downhill where your foot is kind of smacking on the pavement. Mm -hmm. Um, That muscle in the front of the leg just doesn't really like that very much. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is definitely a way that that can, can also happen. Um, so, you know, it can be going too far, too fast, different surfaces, poor shoe wear needing a stability type of shoe, maybe too high or low in arch. So, um, but it it is a common complaint and and we don't want to, anybody has to stop running. So Mm -hmm. we want to keep them going. So stop, get yourself looked at and then fix it. And we can, keep going it's not a death sentence it's not a stop it's not a hard stop sign good and, good.
1: and i want to can i throw into that too that um yeah. you know uh if if this pain if this shin splint pain is bilateral meaning on both sides you know that's that's like like you're saying it's not a hard stop it's 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 an adjustment it's what you know as we're going along but when it's one-sided i think again that's more indicative of bone injury and
2: you need to be a little more concerned would you agree with that I would totally agree with that because most typically, you know, in orthopedics, we get to cheat <laughs> a little bit. You know, we have two sides, but our anatomy is our anatomy. And so, if you have a high arch on one foot, the chance of having a lower arch on the other foot is not too likely. So, if it is unilateral, even in the hips, that type of pain, um, more likely stress fracture is the diagnosis. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I liked.
0: I, I say we end on it's it, the message of it's not a hard stop. It's not a stop sign. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the injured reserve list right now with the bulging disc, so I want to know that even if it's one one percent a week, I, I will be able to come back to running. So,
2: yes, amen. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah. Not well, good. again, Karen, so glad we found you, and thank you for sharing with us. This yeah, was really that interesting. Yeah, it was great. It's fun. Good. 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 All right. Take good care and good luck with that half marathon in October.
2: Thank you guys. Take Thanks. good care of yourselves. Bye, Karen. Thanks. All right.
0: Bye bye-bye. Gosh, I don't know, Amanda. Are you uh, thinking it's uh, two rest days a week for you now? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> she mean, presents a strong argument.
1: She does. She does. And I mean, I've never been someone who runs seven days a week or even six days a week, you know? So um, I was happy to hear that because I I do kind of hit that sweet spot of the four to five days a week. So. um, Oh,
0: good. Good,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: it all all sounds delightful. Uh, Any number of days a week sounds good to me. I'm sure anything
1: (laughs) sounds good to you right now.
0: Yeah. 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 So. Well, I hope people will join Dimity and me at the run show that is June 4th and 5th, just a couple weeks away. Um, It's outside Chicago at the DES Convention Center in Rosemont, where I hear there's just massive parking lots. So drive on in from Wisconsin or all around Illinois, maybe even Indiana to come um, to the show. It's like a huge race expo but there's no race the next day. So you can stay on your feet all day. Um, and it's also way bigger and better. There's loads of speakers, um, Myrna Valerio, the the Myrna Vader, um, Jackie Hunt Burisma, who was a guest on the podcast, who just recently finished up 104 consecutive marathons day after day. Uh, and she's an amputee with, a. Um, you know, kind of the, the blade that she runs on. Uh, Galen Rupp just got added to the lineup. And then there's Dimity and me. And we have a podcast recording party that's from 2:15 to 3.15 p.m. on Saturday, June 4th. Our guests are going to be coaches Liz Waterstrot and Jen Harrison. And the 50 first 50 gals to show up will get a stocked swag bag that includes goodies like running socks, Kinesis sunscreen, Gucci's, and more. To get your free tickets for that, um, go to RUNSHOWUSA.com. Use code AMR to get free tickets. Again, that's RUNSHOWUSA.com, code AMR for free tickets, and hope to see you particularly on June 4th. Um, Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon, by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles.